happen. I know it was hard today, you know, to not get out on the lake or just do something in this beautiful, gorgeous weather. And uh, but I appreciate you being back here tonight because uh, this is when we really have some deeper conversations. I'm sorry. And for some people, it can be some life-altering conversations, things that they hear. And uh, these, these are two guys that I highly respect and look up highly to and, and just you know, think, think the best of them. And uh, one I get to work with uh, on a closer basis by virtue of being on the board for uh, Crossover Global, Ken Katayama is our president and CEO. And then Eddie Robinson, uh, he is with Live School. And uh, he, uh, he has been a, he's been a part of Gateway for how long now? 13 years. And so we got to watch their kids grow up here. Uh, and, and I'm just thankful for uh, the family. I'm thankful for their marriages because uh, they have two wives, uh, not each, but two, two wives that are behind what they do. We're thankful for that. Uh, Chuck Johnson, who's in my life group, is... Uh, He's, he's kind of like Eddie's traveling buddy on mission trips. And, and whenever they go on a mission trip, uh, you're right before our life group, you know, Chuck will text me. He said, uh, I've got some pictures to show tonight and uh, stories to tell. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, man, it's, it's always exciting to hear the stories and, and to see the pictures and what they're doing. But anyway, we're th so thankful they were willing to be here tonight. I, and we want to start off, just take a moment and, and just just tell, tell us about your family, because uh, you each have three kids, uh, and just tell us a little about yourselves so people who don't know you will get a, get a connection. So Eddie, why don't you go first? Thank you, Pastor Don, and uh, it's great being here tonight. Uh, yeah, it's great having Chuck with me on these trips. He's a real blessing and an encouragement. And, he always wants to go back. Um, yeah, we originally from um, South Africa. Uh, it's where I was born. And my wife, Lorraine, she was born actually in Rhodesia, which is where Uncle uh, Jim Peters and Auntie Sally is from as well. And uh, yeah, so we, we grew up, uh, Lorraine moved to South Africa. We grew up there. And uh, we had three children, three girls there. And uh, they're a real blessing to us. Um, Taylor's at USC. Um, studying aerospace engineering, basically studying to be a rocket scientist. So you can't argue with her, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Selena's at the uh, Air Force Academy, and uh, Chloe is in tenth grade. So our kids are a real blessing to us. Yeah, not very smart kids, but they're trying. Goodness, <laughs> Air Force Academy to get in the Air Force Academies. You know, getting one of the academies is incredibly difficult, and then, and then an actual rocket scientist. Yeah, she's, she wanted to work for SpaceX. Do yeah, that? she's uh, two months away from graduation. She's applied to SpaceX, to uh, uh, Lockheed Martin, Boeing. So she's trying to get. Tell her to be sure to get some stock options. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> Give All you a right. heads up. Okay, Ken. Well, good evening, everyone. Ken and I. I was born in Brazil. Uh, moved here in 2005. Got married in 2006 to my wife, who's a uh, Southern Belle. That's, I guess, the terminology here in the South, right? So my wife is an American, and she was born in Memphis. We got married in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
They told me, no, 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 it's Arkansas. I don't understand. Still don't understand why. Uh, so, in Arkansas, and we have three children. And can I make a comparison? So, Gabriella, she is in third grade. Lincoln, he's in K-5, I think is the call. And then Isaac, he's graduating out of diapers. So, is that one? <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, that, that would be nice, great. And, uh, and I'm... Both of you have wives who are 100% behind you, and and anybody in ministry, I mean, they're in ministry with you, and that, that really is what it boils down to. And, and anybody in ministry or mission, they would say, if my wife wasn't there with me, I wouldn't have survived. And, and if she wouldn't, I mean, especially with your wife staying home with the kids so that you can do what you do. Um, well, tell us a little bit just of your spiritual journey. and. Uh, how you became a believer, um, and then how is it you came about being a missionary? And now, you know, both of you are not from the United States, so how did you come being a missionary in the United States? So talk, talk a little bit about that. Kim, why don't you go ahead? Okay, sounds good. Well, let me just say one thing before I start, if I may, Pastor. Um, you know, you guys know the pastor you have here, right? And he is a blessing. And I want to honor you in front of your church. Well, you know, he, he the only, only, that's right. And now I'll tell you why I'm saying this. Is he, he serves on our board. You know, he does all his normal duty as a board member. But he takes time sometimes just to call me. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, oh a board member's calling me. You know, and he said, I'm just checking on you. And I want to pray for you. You know, so thank you, Pastor. You are, you are a pastor of my life too, and I appreciate you. And you always get excited when I take you to Riyadh. That's, that's, what, that's, that's exactly what right. And when I'm homesick, I'll see what I call <laughs> you. <laughs> so, well, um, as I said before, I grew up in Brazil. My father, Japanese. My mother, Brazilian. I'm a Samaritan. I'm, I'm you know, whatever that is. That I'm mixed. Uh, and I remember growing up thinking about God, but not knowing who God was. And not just because I didn't have the gospel, it was just a, it's almost this animist faith where, you know, you don't do things because God is watching you, but really don't live for God at all. Uh, but I, you know, God's sovereignty, I grew up in a southern part of Brazil, where a lot of Europeans, and my neighborhood was specifically in a Mennonite area. So I went to a Mennonite school, Japanese, Brazilian, forced to learn German, I never remember anything of it, but the school, I learned about Jesus, and at age 15, I came to know Jesus, and, and then two years later, I went to a missions conference, so I'm 17 years old, I have no idea what it is, and, but this missions event was sponsored by Crossover Global in Brazil. In fact, it was the very first event that our base in Brazil put together to the public in order to communicate God's hearts for the nation. A lot of the message you heard this morning from Dr. Bill, it was, it was that message. In fact, I met the two of them. They're sitting right there uh, the, in that conference, 1997, which shows how long we've been uh, walking together. And in that event, was the very first time I ever heard that there are about 42% of the world's population that have never heard about Jesus. Never heard that in my life, didn't know that that even existed. 
And um, on that day, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm, whatever it is that needs to change, I'm going to dedicate my life to serve you. And that was, that was perhaps the, the, the calling, if I may say it that way, even though a couple of years later, as I, as I joined the staff and started learning what it, what it means to provide that access, you know, what it, what it entails, that commitment that I made it, um, at age 17, it became more clear to me the focus, the calling, what it, the purpose, even my giftings, and so forth. Now, oh, fast forward. So I've been with the organization. I just celebrated 22 years with Crossover Global. So I age um, 24. I'm in Canada leading teams, and I meet the best friend of the girl that would become my wife. So in 2005, when I moved to the United States, I really thought it was temporary. I thought we're going to get married, and we're probably going to go to Turkey, Indonesia, Japan. The Lord knows we're not going to stay here. Nothing against the United States. It's just we're, we're going to get ready, and then we're going to go somewhere in the world. And slowly the Lord was confirming and making our, our roots to be deeper and deeper in Columbia, South Carolina. So that's... Um, I'm an American citizen now. I love being here in this country, knowing that I can influence and impact what God is doing around the world by sitting in an office in Colombia, traveling around the world in a way that I have never thought before. So that's kind of, kind of how, how I got to be here. Well, um, yeah, like I said uh, earlier, I was born in South Africa at a very young age. <laughs> got it. Um, yeah, you know, my mom was the first one in the church, in the family that became a believer. And uh, I just so believe in the importance of, you know, mothers or fathers or both being believers. But, you know, my mom, she dragged us to church every Sunday, a little Baptist church we went to. And, you know, Sunday school, they every Sunday they still drilled the Bible into you, you know, like big time. So I can't say I enjoyed it, you know, but I, I can look back now and say and see it was a good thing. But um, as I, you know, grew up and got into my, my teenage years, eventually back in South Africa in those days, all the young males had to go to the military. So I went to the military for two years and uh, somehow, I mean, this is going to only be God, somehow I ended up becoming a drill sergeant. Can you imagine that? Um, uh, and I was a little bit on the mean side of it as well. But while there, you know, especially in my second year, things became a little bit easier and I started backsliding, but just really could see the, the, the Holy Spirit just, you know, coming after me, convicting me, even though I was backsliding. And uh, one day, one of my colleagues or one of the other drill sergeants invited me to his church. I've never been there before. And the pastor made, you know, preached a message made an altar call and uh, accepted the Lord and, and suddenly think things were just different. You know, I, I was surrounded by other men that discipled me and I think that's the first time in my life that somebody discipled me. I'd given my life to, to the Lord before many times actually on all these summer camps and things but never got that assurance of salvation. And But that time, and, and being surrounded by believers that prayed for me, that discipled me, I just grew in leaps and bounds. And kind of like the same as, as Ken, you know, um, the uh, person that was our international director of World Mission Center that I'm still with, 
he came to our church and did a missions conference and all he said was we're starting a mission school next year and when he said it you know something just leapt inside of me and and i just felt the new god saying that's what you must go do and i just went to the mission school and um you know been with them for over 30 years now as well and in about 2005 they the leadership approached us and said would you consider moving to the states to grow the u.s office and Ray and I prayed about it for six months and felt the Lord saying yes, and here we are today. You know, um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and we would talk about missions, and I grew up with the idea that America was the only country that sent missionaries to other countries. And when I discovered that wasn't quite true, and uh, it was a shock to my system, especially when I found out some some, church, uh, some churches in other countries were actually sending missionaries to the United States. And uh, so tell us a little bit, uh, let's start with you, Eddie. How does your mission organization, Live School, uh, um, where all do, do you mobilize missionaries and where do you send them from? Well, you know, I think you'd be surprised almost if you heard some of the countries that uh, understands missions and get into missions you know like most countries not not all the countries but there's still a lot of unreached people groups and some nations don't even have believers but i want to say most nations nowadays or countries they do have believers and when we find them you know either we share the great commission with them that they need to go and make disciples of all nations or we find they already know that and, you know, we just come and a lot of times we just put gas on the fire and, and, and they start understanding missions and they understand that they've got to do it and they've got to go. And, you know, and our role in all of that is we go and we train them because a lot of them have never had training. They, they've had almost no theological training. They've had no missions training. And we have a 242-hour missions training school that's on a little device that we empower them to start their own mission school. And I tell you what, you will be amazed to, to see countries like Malawi is one of the poorest countries in the world that are training their own people and sending people inside of Malawi to plant churches and unreached people groups or least reached people groups, sending them across the, the borders to other countries. Not far from here, Cuba, uh, let me just tell you that there is something amazing happening in Cuba. We have over 200 churches in the eastern part and actually all over the island, but mostly in the east, that is running this program. There's 191 churches knocking on our door saying, we want the program. They don't, they, they don't have it. They want it because they are so hungry to be trained and to be useful to God and to be used by God. And then, you know, just how God works, uh, one of the greatest sending forces you know in, in in the world is the uh, cuban government uh because you know they they send their people their doctors their engineers their teachers all over the world and a lot of them are believers and as they go they do missions where they go so god is just working incredibly through nations like russia and india and using the local indigenous people well, then, you know, we're working in a similar path in the sense that there are, um, there are so many of 
of the countries where we went as a pioneer church planter. You know, the, the whole concept of the different pockets of the waffle that we heard this morning. So you, you go to a specific waffle, but you are not only saying you need the gospel, you're, you get the gospel, and now you have the opportunity to honor, to honor God by taking that gospel to the next door uh, um, uh, pocket. And, and what is strategic about that, we call it the near, near culture strategy, is that there are people, not only for security, but, you know, adding security, linguistically similar culture, you will be to cross much more efficiently into other pockets like that. We are in 34 different countries around the world, and, and very specific to your question, Pastor John, um, out of those 34, six of them have an operating base that is helping to, to recruit, to deploy them with a specific position them with a specific uh, goal and vision, and then helping them to develop that pioneering church planting. So, uh, for example, I'll, I'll use a couple of names of people groups, so it's, it doesn't, it's not gonna resonate as easy like a countries, but we have right now Uzbeks going among Karakalpak people, or going among the Uyghur people that um, is in Western China. We have Azeris moving into 74 small little pockets of Wafu in the Caucasus region. A lot of us heard about Chechnya. And when we hear about Chechnya's terrorist attack or radical Muslim, well, we're having people going all the way there to share Christ with Chechnyans. So uh, those are examples. The latest now is there are some Urdu-speaking Indians, which most likely are were Muslims and not Hindi, Hindu from their religious background. And they're asking us, would you help us to cross the border to Pakistan, which would be a really hard thing for an Indian and a Pakistan because of the political conflict. But they're saying, we speak the same language, we can take the gospel to them next door. You know, how are we gonna get there? So. Okay. I, uh, you know, have had the privilege with crossover to uh, go to uh, <coughs> Azerbaijan where we would train uh, former Muslims who become believers, and they would they would come in from all these countries that are basically closed countries to be trained in Azerbaijan, and then they would go back to their country. So that was that was a really amazing experience to have, and and the fact you know I'd be with these former Muslims and uh, like Idris for example, they're always smiling, and and when they talk about persecution. They talk about it with a smile on their face. And it's kind of like, that just boggles my mind. And so it, it kind of raises the question, so what are, what are the qualifications of being a missionary? When, when I was in seminary, and we would have chapel a couple times a week, and it was always full, except the week when missionary week showed up. And it was the least attended week. Uh, because people either didn't want to hear the Holy Spirit talking to them or they just didn't feel like it applied to them because they weren't qualified for it. So what, what is God looking for in someone to be to be a missionary? And whether it's local or international, whatever that is. Go ahead. Sure. Um, well, so I'll get just a little bit technical to, to make it, you know, to answer well the question. You know, we, we can say and even apply that all of us are missionaries. 
And, and I'm okay with that concept, but if you're looking into what Pastor Don is asking, how do, how do you look into the, the concept of being called specifically to a, to a mission? You know, so we would, we would separate the category to someone that, you know, historically has crossed at least three barriers. A geographical, cultural, and linguistic barriers, and that that would be the qualification or the 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 the, the type of of the the person that we would say, oh, this person is a is a missionary. He's he's crossing all those those different barriers to go. Now, um, when I think about the people and 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 even when you say about the smile, I think there's there are five C's or so four C's to be easier to remember. There is a specific there's a calling. All of us are called to minister for God, but missionaries are called to a specific thing. You see in the Old Testament, prophets were called to a specific mission. You see Abraham, uh, Jonah, you know, they're, they're specifically called to fulfill something. Uh, another thing that, that takes for, for a missionary is courage. Uh, and not that, you know, they're the, the bravest people, but think about Joshua, think, think about Caleb, you know, the 12 spies. Uh, there were people that heard what God was calling them to accomplish, and they had the courage to do it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that they're calling their missions call and on the calling. Because they end up never have the courage to actually do what God called them to do. You know, I think sometimes we need to pray for more for courage to do what we already know, instead of trying to learn more about what we already heard, you know, it's, it's how do I do that? Um, the other the other thing that that's so so specific uh, for for the for the missionary is character. You want to think about it uh, as someone that that says, you know, I I'm I'm a smile. I have this joy. You know, a missionary that always cries about how hard it is to learn the language and learn the culture. You need to tell them, well, just come home. Right? Because God called you to do that and you should have the joy of the Lord and either you missed the call or, you know, or you, you didn't hear God, you know. This should be something that, that is part of that godly, biblical, Christ-centered, biblical-based, uh, you know, character. And then um, the last thing that, that comes to mind for me is this concept of commitment. Uh, Jesus, when he was here, John 17, you know, he says, you know, Father, I, you sent me and I fulfill what you call me to do. Paul says, you know, my life is, in, is not important unless I fulfill the task of proclaiming the gospel of God's grace. Paul tells Titus, you know, you do the work of evangelist to fulfill your call. You know, and I think that commitment to that specific call is very important. So, calling specific, commitment you need, a character, um, my words mixed up. Encourage. <laughs> yeah, um, I wouldn't add a lot to that, but I, I agree. I think calling, it definitely starts with calling. Um, whether it is, you know, right here in Colombia or where you live and work, or whether it's to the ends of the earth. Um, but it's so important, I think, to, to hear God, because one thing you would be guaranteed as a missionary here or there is that it will get tough. And when it gets tough, you got to know that you heard from God because that will give you faith to carry through on and, and get through that. So even, even if you feel like you're going to work, you know, let's say in the, in, the, in the prison ministry in Colombia, if that's where you feel called to, 
you know, make sure it's God. And, and because even there, even right here, it's going to get tough. But it does start with calling. I think the other um, thing I would add is, is obedience. Um, obedience to the smallest instruction. It could be God saying, make a meal and take it to your neighbor. You know, because God wants to use you to reach your neighbor. But the way it's got to happen, the way it's got to start maybe is to, to cook a meal and take it there. Um, or it could be on a bigger scale. It could be, you know, my case it was go to a mission school. I, I didn't know anything else. Uh, I, my, my friends used to say, oh, so you're going to become a missionary. I said, no, I'm not becoming a missionary, but you're going to mission school. But that was just the next little step that God wanted me to be obedient to. And then the last thing I would add is, is definitely training. Um, and it's not always at CIU, which is fantastic and great, you know, but, but sometimes it's, it's just working with somebody that is doing children's ministry or prison ministry or whatever it might be. But just get a bit of training because... You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, Oliver Gospel knows how to work with the homeless. So let's learn from them. Let's go work with them and, and get trained. So, yeah, calling, obedience, and training is, is very important, I believe. You touched on something very important because they're not levels of Christianity, you know, that, that uh, we are Christ followers, period. And, and our identity is in Christ, period. Um, and I, perf you know, I personally believe that God calls some people into the business world and uh, gives them uh, the gift of giving so that they can help support missions. Uh, some are called into um, different career paths where they're the light and salt in a culture that with people who would never set foot in a church. Um, I mean, I, that's where I get a little envious sometimes of of many of the business people in our church, they get to touch lives that I, I probably would never get to touch because they're not going to show up to church. Um, so this whole idea of living on mission, regardless of what your profession is, regardless of where you are or what you're doing, how, how as believers do we live on mission? And, and, um, and, whether we got you're a high school student, college student, uh, retired, or in the middle of your career, how, how do we live on this? Well, um, I think it, it starts with an attitude of, Lord, here am I, use me. Um, I think with that kind of attitude, you know, I was blessed to hear Dr. Bill this morning and just how many people he leads to the Lord, and I'm, I'm sure he's living with that attitude of, you know, what opportunities are out there? Who can, who can the Lord use me to reach? And, and I think when we have that, that attitude, it's the Lord will place these opportunities in front of us where we can make these connections with people in different ways. And as we are again obedient and we take those little steps, uh, you know, whether it's locally or whether it's further away, God, God will use us. Um, I just, quick story, uh, uh, in 2019, which used to be last year, but now it's even further back, but, um, you know, I was going to go on a trip to North Africa, and we, we work with the underground church in, in some of the countries there, and this one guy that's in the church here, he said, I want to come with you, and he, didn't, he was like, I'm coming. I said, no, fine, you can come with. So I said, well, should we ask our friend Dan to come with us? Now, Dan is in, in Riverland Hills. And uh, so we said, yeah, let's, let's ask him. And we asked him, 
And Dan was very, very, I don't know, you'll probably admit it's scared, but he just, when he heard what it's like there, the church is persecuted, it's dangerous, all those kind of things, he was like, I'm not so sure. But he prayed. He probably prayed for about three months. Eventually, he said, yeah, I, I'm still scared, but the Lord is saying I must go. And he came with, with us, and I'll tell you what, we had an incredible trip. And, uh, you know, life-changing experiences. If you put them on the stage tonight, you will, you, will, you will be amazed and blessed to hear their story. But And now he's the one pushing me to go back to another North African country. But the point is, you know, he had that, that both of them had this attitude of, Lord, I'm available, here am I, use me. And I think that's where it starts, no matter whether you're trying to reach people here or to the ends of the earth. Um, I, that's very good. And I, I think the, the root, perhaps, of you know, the, the struggle of, of how can I do this on my day-to-day? -day? You know, I'm, I'm not a missionary. I'm, I don't have a Bible train. You know, all the, all the legitimate, but sometimes excuses that we make of not being a light, you know, being on... Mission, I think it goes goes back to a reality of our salvation. Um, I, I think sometimes the message of the gospel, which is so truth, but comes out incomplete on the other side. You know that Jesus cares for you, that He loves you, and suddenly the entire message of that gospel is about you, and it's not about you, but it is. Right? So it is about you because he wants to invite you to that kingdom, but he's also inviting you to a journey to build that kingdom with him. And sometimes it's incomplete because we missed that, and then we look to Ken or to Eddie or Pastor Don and say, those are the guys that built the kingdom, I'm just in it. And then my identity becomes the, the professional Christians. They are the ones moving the kingdom forward. I'm just sitting and waiting. And that is that is a um, that is just a wrong understanding, a wrong identity what Christ has done for you. The idea of, of you know, uh, we, we sing today, twice, throughout the day. You know, I'll do anything of any cost. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, that's a good song, but it, how did that portray in your life on the day-to-day? -day? The answer to that question is living on mission. The idea that there's 42% of the world's population that has very little or no access to the gospel at all tells you that everybody around you has access to the gospel through you right now. You know, and, and having that understanding that, that I don't need to, to be all this super calling and seeing, you know, dreams and writing on the wall that God has not only saved me for the kingdom but he's inviting me to build the kingdom for him and so don't you know it's it's, it's courted out that that my understanding of my position in Christ it's going to drive me to the great commission and you know and then what Ed is saying when you get there then is your availability right so I'm here Lord so just kind of use me now that's great. I appreciate it. I hope you heard what they were saying. Uh, I mean, here's the deal. You know, if you take out this list, your, the blessed card, um, if you haven't filled this out, there are a lot of options on the back. These are not in order of uh, maturity. You know, if you put some at the top, you must be, you know, just barely mature. 
But if you check something at the bottom, you must be real. No, it's not that at all. It, you know, it's what God has called you to do. And one of the things that we're big on at Gateway is you, you operate out of your spiritual gift. So the appropriate prayer is, Lord, how do you want me to take my spiritual gift and be on mission through Gateway? How do, how do you want me to do that? And how do you want to maximize the giftedness you've given me, what does that look like? And for me to be on mission. And so I hope you will take this. Maybe you've already filled this out, but you heard something tonight that's kind of changed the way you're thinking, and you need to put, put, fill out another one and just write on it part two, and we'll throw away the other one. And uh, just, you know, you fill this out, and we want to get these tonight. Now, while I'm closing things up, if you're on the they didn't know I was going to do this, but if you're on the missions team, I want you to come up on stage for a moment, and I'm going to get uh, uh, Ronald on the mission team uh, and our executive pastor to actually pray for Eddie and pray for Ken and their missions, uh, since uh, Gateway is part of their family. So if you're on the mission team, would you make your way up here? And, um, and then Ronald, if you will come and uh, pray specifically for... Ken and Eddie, and say thank you to Ken and Eddie, first of all. Look at all these people on the mission team. Uh, some of them I didn't know were on there. Uh, Judy, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> now, this is, these, this, these people are great. They meet with Judy on a regular basis. They oversee the funds that you give for missions. They're, they're the ones that oversee that. And they're the ones that oversee deciding what ministries we're going to be involved in, where we're going to plant churches. I mean, they have a huge responsibility in terms of Gateway and what they do. And they take it very, very serious. They do it prayerfully. They, they don't make any decision without a lot of praying. And uh, so I appreciate every one of you. I appreciate what you do. And since the two of you, we uh, you're a part of what Gateway does, uh, Ronald, if you would just pray over them, and uh, and then we will close out with uh, another song. Let's pray. Father, it's such a blessing to be a part of a church that uh, knows what your heart is, and that's missions. And it's so good to be a part of a church where we have partners that we uh, have vetted. But in the vetting process, we've gotten to know them extremely well. And with both Ken and with Eddie, we know their heart. We know their character, we know their commitment, we know their courage. And Lord, we're just so thankful that they're just a, a, an example of godly men and godly marriages with godly families that only desires to reach the lost and to do what you've called them to do. And they don't do it for their, own, uh, uh, for their own glory, but they do it because they love you, Lord. And they desire the same things you desire, that all tongue, every tribe, every nation, every language, that they would be represented in heaven. And we're so thankful that uh, your son came and provided that way for each one of us because we were all lost and in need of a savior. And because of what your son did on that cross and the resurrection, Lord, we're the only group that uh, worships a living God. And Father, he's on the right hand of his father and Psalms 139 says, He's thinking of us more times than their grains of sand. So I would pray, Lord, as we think about missions, we think about Ken and Eddie and others who have made a commitment to uh, pray and to, 
go and to follow your leading. And I would also encourage each one of us as we're in the world, wherever God has put us geographically, wherever he's put us vocationally, that we would also consider ourselves missionaries and that we would carry the gospel with us also. So, Lord, we just uh, thank you for Ken. We thank you for Eddie. We thank you for the ministries that they represent. But most of all, Lord, we're thankful that they've been obedient to what you've called them to do. And, Lord, we just uh, lift them up, but we lift you up higher. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.